Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Animales humanos, animales humanos, animales, animales, animales humanos, animales humanos, animales, Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. This includes animal advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and, importantly, appreciation. The program is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia and streamed live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are available via the 3CR and Freedom of Species websites and all podcasts are also available via iTunes. Welcome to Freedom of Species, I'm Kate Gracie and first today I'm going to share with you the great talk given at last weekend's Animal Activist Forum in Melbourne. But first up, on behalf of the team at Freedom of Species, I just want to send a big congratulations to Sally Goldner who's the host of the 3CR show that airs immediately before this one. You might have just been listening to that show, it's called Out of the Pan. Sally's been recognised in this year's Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, Transgender or Intersex Annual Gay and Lesbian Organisation of Business and Enterprise Community Awards. Her win is a recognition of her involvement in Melbourne's LGBTI community for 17 years where she's been advocating for the rights and prominence of transgender people. Sally was awarded the Person of the Year Award. Great work, Sally. And Sally's certainly been my Person of the Year when she's helped me out during hectic changeovers between her show and, and this one. Now in news... BP has conducted oil spill modelling for the Great Australian Bight, but is refusing to release it. Because BP won't release its oil spill modelling, the Wilderness Society has commissioned an independent scientist to model potential spill scenarios. The results are in, and the impact of a spill would be far-reaching and devastating. So please go to the Wilderness Society website, www.wilderness.org.au, and sign the petition addressed to the Federal Environment Minister, Greg Hunt, asking him to prevent BP from drilling for oil in the pristine waters of the Bight. Now, from all accounts, last weekend's Animal Activist Forum was a fantastic event and it reinvigorated a lot of people for another long year of advocating for animals. Anyway, this particular talk was given by Kyle of Edgar's Mission Farm Sanctuary and he first speaks about the role of farm sanctuaries in animal advocacy. Then in the second half, he speaks about digital storytelling. By the way, about two minutes into his talk, Kyle showed a short video. So I've edited out that video segment from this broadcast so you don't have to listen to its background music. It'll be apparent where the video used to be, but it's no biggie. Hello everyone, my name's Kyle and I'm from Edgar's Mission Farm Sanctuary. And firstly, a huge apology to everyone that came down for our activist 
tour that um, had to get cancelled because of the fires. Um, we are going to try and do a tour on Monday at 11 o'clock. So if anyone would like to join that one, please do let me know. Um, just send me an email or send me a text. Um, just in case the roads do get blocked again, I was trying to get down here today and they decided to block our road again. So if the roads are blocked, unfortunately we can't get in or out. So please do let me know if you'd like to come. So that's Monday at 11 o'clock. Um, we'd also have a Wednesday tour at 11 o'clock. So if either of those suit you and you'd like to join, please do. All right, so today I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of split the session into two. First is going to be about the role of sanctuaries in, in animal advocacy, and then the second half will be about digital storytelling. Um, and hopefully they, you know, link a bit together and, and give you some ideas about things. And I'll also do a Q&A after each thing. And hopefully you guys have got some, you know, questions that you want answered that I can really help with. And just something really important, you know, Everything that I'm going to say is, is what works for us. I'm not saying that what we do is better or, or worse than any other group. I think having all these different groups targeting um, advocacy from different avenues is exactly what we need. You know, things relate to different people in different ways. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter why people um, choose to care about animals, you know, or their planet, or choose to, you know, eat a plant-based diet, what's important is that they do. So, you know, just because other people are doing different things doesn't make it, as I said, better or worse. I think that's really important, that we all do target it from different ways. And this is just going to be explaining the ways that we do it and why we do it the way we do. So, sorry, my videos don't want to link with my presentation. Okay, it was really lovely actually looking around the room. Everyone was smiling. And, <laughs> you know, if we played a slaughterhouse video, I don't think that would be the same case. And I think, you know, that's such an important thing about a sanctuary is really that it is a place of hope. And I think that is, you know, something that, that people desire. We, we all want a kind of world to live in, you know. You often see media pick up stories of things like that. Every, almost every night they've got a story of, of, of a good news story at the end because, you know, that is what people want, especially in today's society of, of doom and gloom, you know, where everything's falling to pieces. You know, just these glimmers of hope that, you know, there is people out there trying to do good and that we can all do good, you know. I think it's so important that you don't have to start a sanctuary, you know, to rescue animals. And I think that's such a great thing about this, this conference. You can learn so many different ways that you can um, help animals, um, but yet yeah, the whole positivity thing is such an important thing for us, um, and I'll speak a bit about it a bit later in the, the digital storytelling, but it's a very um, powerful emotion in, in opening your mind to other things, you know, in, into hearing about different things about farm animals that people normally wouldn't do. Um, the negative emotions can have a bit of a different effect, so we'll talk a bit about that later. A little bit about Edgar's mission. So it all started with a pig named Edgar, and he was rescued to be in a photo shoot with James Cronwell, who's Farmer Hoggett from the movie Babe, to raise awareness about factory farming of pigs. And Pam rescued little Edgar and took him for walks in the park. And so that's a little dog, E.T. And so Edgar used to wear his harness, and E.T. used to wear his lead, and they used to go for walks in the park. And people would come from everywhere to meet this pig. And they were like, you know, what are you doing walking a pig in the park? And, and it's on the lead, and, and what's happening here? And she used to give people the opportunity to meet him, to pat him, to rub his belly and see him flop over and to hear him grunt. And she decided from there to start a sanctuary. 
a sanctuary for rescued farm animals so that not only is there somewhere that these animals then can go, but a place that people can come and meet these animals. And that is one of the most important things about our sanctuary is that people come and meet the animals. It's been incredibly frustrating past few years while we've moved from property to property and um, not have our permit at the old farm to have tours and then getting everything set up. And we just had World Animal Day on um, Sunday, which is incredible. We had a thousand people come through. And that's exactly what we want. We want masses and masses of people to come through and meet these animals that we so seldom get the opportunity to meet. As you can see, Edgar grew. Um, <laughs> he grew to be over 450 kilograms, which is incredibly big. He was a factory farm pig. Um, and one of the reasons we very strongly discourage people from getting pigs as pets, unless they really know, um, you know what can happen. Even our so-called miniature pigs can grow very big. And these are just a couple of the animals at the sanctuary you know, that um, have touched people's hearts, that people will come to meet along the way. Pam, our founder, and oop, <laughs> Pam. So Pam started in 2003, incorporated in 2005. I joined five years ago now as the first staff member to join, and that's my special little pig, Hip Hop Bob. She's very cute, isn't she? And this is our mission statement, so I'll just give you a quick minute to read through that. But you'll see that it's a very general statement, you know. Our whole thing, uh, we always say, our mission is kindness. Um, and we try and be as broad as possible to capture as many, possible, as many people as possible. And think about it, like we're casting out a net and, and the more generic our message can be, the more people are gonna look at it and maybe be invited into it and then delve into different topics in regards to farm animals. Um, so yeah, we, we do a few different things. Our main things is, is rescues, um, advocacy and, and education. And, so we do that in a few different ways. The rescuing, um, rehabilitation, and rehoming is actually quite an interesting way of doing advocacy, that, especially the rehoming, that we never really thought about in the beginning. Obviously, rescuing, people love stories of rescue, you know, that these animals got a second chance. Um, they got the opportunity to live out their lives as, as they wanted to. Um, and those stories really resonate with a lot of people. Um, and um, emotionally connect with them, you know. So many of us can relate to these different stories, even, you know, personally being in, in places where we, we, you know, we weren't comfortable or we were in a bad place and, and being rescued. And, and so, so many people can relate to those stories. Um, rehabilitation again, you know, similar things, connecting to those, those experiences of, of recovery. But rehoming, so many of the times now that we're actually rehoming animals, we're actually just getting the most incredible feedback from people, you know, um, not knowing the incredible animals that they have welcomed into their lives until they're actually there. Um, we've had some wonderful families that have adopted pigs and, and goats and sheep and chickens, and um, it's lovely just getting every month now in our email trottings, we actually try and feature a story of some of these people, and, and please do take a moment to go and read that, because you actually see that these people's lives change forever, just from welcoming their, these animals into their lives. So it's quite interesting, you know, you know, we would never originally think that rehoming animals is a, a, an advocacy that you could do to encourage people to be kind to animals, but 
you know, every person spreading the message of kindness. And these people that have adopted animals now sharing these experiences with their friends, you know, sharing it on Facebook, telling the stories about what incredible animals pigs are when they, you know, you rub their belly, they flop over just like a dog. And for people to see the common I suppose, um, between our different species, you know, between our, our farmed animals and our domestic animals is probably one of the strongest things that we can ever do. Um, we do a lot of outreach work also, and so every weekend we go to different markets and especially pet expos. Today they're at the Brimbank, Brimbank Pet Expo. Um, and, you know, as I said before, about bridging that gap between domestic animals and farmed animals is, is incredibly powerful because there is no, nothing different between them except the shape that they come in, what they look like, and our laws that treat them differently. Um, and, you know, we, we so often discuss this when going around the farm is, you know, that is the most powerful thing about the sanctuary. We're not there to tell anyone what to do or what not to do, but we try and encourage people to think, to think about the choices that they make and if it's fair, you know, you get these opportunities to, to pat turkeys and rub pigs' bellies and feed the sheep wheat bicks and things. All these things that you would do with your, your dogs and your cats, but we don't do it to farm animals. Um, and, you know, to give people these opportunities firstly, and then for them to think about it. You know, does it make sense that we can treat our pigs, our sheep, our cows, our goats, our turkeys, our chickens differently to our dogs and our cats simply because they look different? So Pet Expos is an incredible thing um, to really get out to, even if you're going to be doing leafleting and things like that, because you've already got a target of, of animal lovers. You know, they're already halfway there. you just got to show that, you know, extend our circle of compassion to all animals, um, because they aren't that different. Um, aged care visits, that's, you know, sometimes we, we do that for really for community engagement, you know, really just to get out there and do something nice. Um, for these people, but very often um, media outlets will pick that up and and share those stories on, on blogs, on, on the, our local newspapers always share it. Um, and again, you've got, you know, a farm animal in a nursing home um, where people wouldn't see that. I think we've got to take every opportunity that we can get to, to highlight these animals' plights and to put them front and centre. Um, and our humane education, which is obviously one of the most important things where we have, we go to schools. Um, and we'll go to the schools and Pam does a humane education talk and we'll often take animals for them to meet. Very often Timmy, our sheep, um, who loves getting massages and so we can have like 20 kids standing around him massaging the sheep and he's just like... Nah, 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 nah. Um, you know, and to give these kids, because they're the, the future leaders of, of our world. Um, you know, and, and to give these kids these opportunities. We've had so many kids that have come to the farm and it's, it's really sad just seeing this disconnect from the animals and from the planet um, itself. You know, we have um, little vegetable gardens that we set up and whenever we get to the vegetable gardens, I say to the kids, you know, what fruit and vegetables are in season? And the kids are clueless. One group, sadly, and very embarrassingly for the embarrassing for the teacher didn't know what the four seasons were. Um, and it's, it just shows you how disconnected we are. We, we can go to the local supermarket and get anything we want, any time of the year, no questions asked. You know, but I think it's so important that we start questioning, you know, where are our products coming from? 
every every product has a story behind it. You know, there's incredible documentaries and internet documentaries that go into things like that, like the story of stuff, which you know, if anyone hasn't seen it, please take a minute to watch. It's you know, they they delve into like electronics and things, but every single thing has a story about where it comes from and where it goes when we throw it away. And you know, food is no different. And it's so important for us to start questioning these things and to encourage our kids to start questioning that too. Um, so obviously that the previous one was going out to these places, but then we also have people come to the farm. So we have tours, we have open days, and then we have schools come to the farm, which is what we prefer to do with the kids. And they'll come out for the whole day um, and have this humane education talk in the beginning, and then they'll have a lunch break, and then they'll go out for a farm tour about two hours and, and meet all the animals and, and really see you know, so much of the things that they've heard about in the talks about these animals, what incredible animals they are. Our tours and our open days we run in kind of different ways. We're always in two minds about how we do it because as much as we want as many people through as possible, we also want to give every single person that comes through the most incredible opportunity. Um, and with World Animal Day, you know, that was, that was great. We had a thousand people through, but it's not as um, hands-on as a, as a tour is. Our tour, we limit to 25 people where it is very hands-on with the animal. We're going with every single species. You get to pat them all. You get to feed a lot of them. You get to spend a lot of time with these animals. Hear where they come from. You know, so many of us don't realize the history... Oh, sorry. Um, the history of farm animals, you know, how we have purposely bred these animals for humans' needs. You know, chickens coming from a bird called the red jungle fowl that naturally laid seven or eight eggs a year to today's modern egg-laying chicken that lays over 300. So, you know, we don't, we don't know about the history of these animals. We don't realize, you know, how much damage we've actually done to them purely for our, our, our own needs, what we want from these animals. It's great to actually see a lot of awareness is now coming about our domestic dogs and cats and how we breed them. You know, thinking that they came from the wolf. And, you know, you look at a sausage dog and you're like, where? Like, where? It's got back legs there, front legs there, this huge spine, the most incredibly unnatural animal. This is through our human breeding programs of them. Um, and the exact same thing happens to farm animals, but we're not speaking about it. So, you know, our tours are an incredible opportunity to show people that. And, and, you know, sometimes it's very sad because, you know, chick our chickens, a lot of them are come from ex-battery cage farms and they won't live more than two or three years if they're lucky, you know. And, and so we'll show people our, our vet room and our vet cages full of, you know, these sick animals because of how they are bred. You know, naturally these birds would live around 10 to 12 years, but again, because of how we have bred these animals, we have changed their lives forever. And we are responsible for that, and we need to think about that. So tours are incredible opportunities for people to come and learn about these animals and to interact with these animals. Again, you know, the kids that come out to the farm, many of them have never met a pig before. Many of them have never patted a sheep before. So to give them these opportunities where they can start, you know, thinking about things for themselves, um, is incredibly powerful. The open days, <laughs> again, we love it, but it's not as as involved as our as our individual tours. Um, <clears throat> and then we do a lot of advocacy, so we will have campaigning for for farm animals or other. We, 
it's hard now because so many animals are farm animals. Like we have deer at our farm and people are like, oh, they're not farm animals, but they are farmed animals. People do farm deer. People, you know, are starting to farm everything, which is incredibly sad. So our whole scope is really increasing. And, you know, we will campaign for any of these animals that are getting farmed. Um, petitions, raising awareness, and, and using the media to actually run stories about these, these campaigns. So that little... Um, photo over there is when the project actually ran a story about miniature pigs, which, you know, in the scheme of things isn't a huge problem in Australia, but it's definitely growing. You know, so many people buy these so-called miniature pigs because they think that they look cute and they're going to stay small, and 200 kilograms later you've got a big problem on your hand that's digging up your garden and you want to put a nose ring in it and it doesn't have a friend and it hasn't been de-sexed, so it's escaping out the paddock and running down the road. And all these things, you know, that people aren't thinking about it. So, you know, anything that we can get media attention for is, in regards to farm animals is fantastic. You know, really jump on any opportunity that you can. Um, and again, our advocacy then internally scopes through our digital, so, you know, the use of our website and our blog, um, social media, emails, videos and photos, stories, and again, a lot of that gets picked up by the media, which is, which is very exciting because um, years and years ago, it was incredibly hard to get any of these stories up um, on, you know, other websites and, and things like that. And now, just watching how the whole internet is is changing, you know, we've got sites like One Green Planet and the Dodo, I don't know if anyone looks at those sites, but, you know, the Dodo only came about, I think it only started last year, and it has just grown incredibly, and all they do is share animal stories, you know, they share positive stories, but they also share the reality of these, these things, um, these farm animals, um, and it's quite incredible just seeing the growth and the awareness um, grow because of sites like that. Um, one of our, I'll talk about, about you know, the digital storytelling, but, you know, the, whenever we have an animal come to us, we tell its story. That is, that is how the sanctuary, you know, began, and, and every single animal has had their story shared somewhere. And, you know, different animals, again, how we spoke about, you know, different groups resonating with different people, again, different animals resonate with different people. Um, we've had a few lambs this year that have been unable to walk, and just through the use of physio, and um, we actually use a shopping bag with cut-out holes um, that they hang in, and we actually teach them to walk again. And just the, the feedback you get from that is, is remarkable, you know, from people around the world that have felt that they've been in situations like that, even disabled people, you know, that have emailed us and said that these animals, you know, give us hope, that we shouldn't give up, that, you know, anything is possible, that we can do anything. Um, so, you know, stories is such a, such a powerful thing. Um, and I think, you know, we often get caught up in, in how many animals we can rescue. And it's really, it's not about that, you know. In, in, in the bigger scheme of things, we're rescuing nothing. You know, we've had thousands of hens come from ex-battery cage farms. And we have around 13 million battery cage chickens living in Australia. So our rescue is, is not even 0.1%. But by sharing their stories, we, you know, we're raising awareness about this. We've got, you know, hens like Little Miss Sunshine, who people have just fallen in love with, you know, and videos of her have gone around the world and photos of her in front of the Sydney Opera House and things like that. You know, just to give people the opportunity to see these animals in a different light.
Um, and again, you know, I, th I think it's just such a positive place. It is, it is a place that people can come to. And, um, you know, also for us as advocates, I think it's such an important thing. You know, Pam was um, at another conference the other day and people were coming up to her and saying, you know, the minute I've had a bad day, I'll quickly jump on your Facebook page to look at a cute photo and it just brightens up my day. And that's something that's so important for us. You know, I scroll through my Facebook feed and I just see negative, negative, negative stories. You know, sign this petition about this dog that got killed here and this animal. And it, it is so important. I'm not saying anything against that. You know, we need to raise awareness in any way that we can. But, you know, we're emotional beings at, also. And all of that negativity affects us. And we need to stay positive. We're the ones trying to change, you know, the way people think about these animals. We need to be as uplifted and positive as possible. So, you know, if you can get to a sanctuary and volunteer and, and, and even just jump on the website and read a few stories about these animals, you know, that'll do a lot for you. And that'll help your advocacy in helping other people. Um, yeah, so that's just a little bit of a summary of, you know, why we do what we do. Um, and this is the point where I always talk about the bad, because as much as it is incredible to have a sanctuary and to give animals these opportunities, um, it's not easy. It's incredibly expensive, um, you know, it is a lifelong commitment, and it's really sad at the moment seeing so many sanctuaries just start up with nothing. You know, just on the idea that it's going to work and taking an animal after animal after animal and a couple of months or years later closing down and then the other sanctuaries have to come in to pick up the pieces. Um, you know, we need to be responsible for that. We need to think about the things that we're doing. We can't just run out and start sanctuaries. Um, and we've actually set up a, um, a conference called the Kind Criticare Conference for people to come and actually learn about running a sanctuary. You know, there, there is so much involved. We, we run a one-day workshop and we're like, this barely covers the tip of the iceberg of what we should do, you know. So if you are thinking about, you know, starting a sanctuary, please come to that conference and start volunteering at, at you know, different animal sanctuaries and seeing what it's all about. We offer an interning program where you can come, you need to stay for a minimum of one month, you know. and. That is so important. We had a, a gentleman come to us who, who wanted to start a sanctuary and thankfully he went and did his research, going to different sanctuaries and learning about them. And when he came back, he said, you know, it's not for me. You know, I'm going to do advocacy in a different way, which was great because, you know, all the money and all the time and all the effort that he would have put into that, it's something that, you know, he wouldn't have been able to fulfill. So it's a really important thing that we think about before we rush out and start doing things like that. Yeah, so what you can do, you know, there's, there's, as I said, there's lots more sanctuaries popping up all over the place, and they're always in need of volunteers. Um, take people to the open days. You know, that's a, that's a great way that you can actually do advocacy is by, you know, getting a group of friends together and bringing them out for a tour or an open day to meet these animals. Um, share, share, share. <laughs> so, you know, you'll see all of us putting up things on Facebook, and the more you share that, the, the more reach we get. Um, and not just, you know, us personally, but any sanctuary, any story, any group that you see them doing something, you know, help them, you know, like it, comment it, invite your friends to like the page and share the stories as far as we can. Adopt, you know, there's, there's lovely programs where you can adopt animals from different sanctuaries and um, with our best buddy, ours is called a best buddy where you sponsor the animal and we send you a, 
Um, if you choose the post pack, you get a presentation folder with a certificate, and you also get an email, and you always get the animal story. And it's quite remarkable actually hearing about how that has changed people's lives. You know, they buy these um, adoptions for their friends for Christmas or birthday gifts or um, people leaving work or, you know, anniversaries, anything. They just buy these. We even have companies now that actually every month they reward their, their best employees and what they get is a best buddy. So every month, you know, th this company is sending out four best buddies to different staff there. Um, and those stories just spread the message. Um, yeah, Christmas or birthday gifts and obviously donating to sanctuaries. Um, yeah, and it really just is a, a place of hope. Our quote, our motto, our philosophy that we really, you know, try and live every single one of our days by is if we could live happy and healthy lives without harming others, why wouldn't we? Um, and it's such a simple idea, such a simple concept, but such a powerful one, you know, and I think if everyone just stopped and thought about that for a second, um, it would be a very different world that we live in. Did you miss the latest episode of your favourite 3CR show? Visit 3CR's new improved website. Now you can listen to the latest episode of almost every 3CR show with one click, including music, arts, community languages, current affairs and more. No need to podcast, no need to download. Visit 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au. Then go to your favourite programs page to listen. This is 3CR Community Radio and you're listening to Freedom of Species. That last track was Bill Withers' song, Lovely Day. We're hearing from Kyle of Edgar's Mission Farm Sanctuary and he's just spoken about the role of farm sanctuaries in animal advocacy. And now we're going to hear the second half of his talk, which is about digital storytelling. You know, the opposite, obviously the, the farm, having the farm is such an important thing, but what we do with the animals can now go around the world. And if anyone's on Facebook, I'm sure you've heard of Esther the Wonder Pig. And that is just an incredible story of how one animal can go so widely around the world. You know, media outlets, Ricky Gervais went there, you know, he tweets about them now, you know. Um, and that's what I was saying before, you know, sometimes we get caught up in how many animals we can rescue, where I think we should think about, you know, what can we do? to actually get the story out there as much as we can. And with the use of the internet, it really is limitless now. It is quite remarkable how far these stories can go. Um, and so this is just a, a bit of a definition of storytelling. Um, the conveying of events in words, sound, and or images, often by improvi uh, improvisation or embellishment. Stories of narrative have been shared in every culture as a means of entertainment, education, cultural preservation, and instilling moral values. And if we think about, you know, history, this comes from a wonderful book called um, Winning the Story Wars. I really recommend everyone reads it. Um, we went through a few different eras to get to where we are today. We started with the oral era. We think everything was passed on by word of mouth before we had computers, <laughs> believe it or not. So that was myths and stories and religions. And everything 
we have learned is from those stories. Then we entered the broadcast tradition, which was, you know, when we got introduced to TVs, radios and newspapers, where, and they call it broadcasting because we get broadcast all this information. You know, we get told this from the media, we get told this through the television. Um, and so it was very much a, a, like this huge, just overpowering of information being bombarded onto us. And now we've entered a new era, and um, Jonah Sachs in this book calls it the digitoral era. And it's really a combination of both. It's a combination of the broadcast era with the oral era, and we're actually moving way more back towards the oral era, just in a digital form. You think about Facebook, you know, you read a story that you like, what do you do? You click share. And that is, you know, an oral tradition of how you would pass on the story. So it's quite interesting actually seeing the, the change in how we are moving back to where we came from. Um, and you think about it, everything is way more powerful if your friend tells it to you. So, you know, you got an advert on the TV saying you should buy this type of computer, and you'll be like, oh yeah, that's good. But if your best friend says to you, no, I got this computer and it's amazing, you'll be like, oh wow, I'm gonna go and buy one of those. So, you know, this oral tradition is incredibly powerful because of that, because we trust our friends, because what they say actually has much more importance than what we get told. Um, and there's a few golden rules in terms of storytelling, and I speak mostly about videos. Um, videos is something that we've had the most success with, um, with some videos just getting millions and millions of views, which is quite remarkable, and, and looking back at it afterwards, we try and figure out why. <laughs> um, and, you know, also through the, the book, his book, um, Winning the Story Wars, we've, there's a few things. So, you know, I think the most important is to be truthful and honest. And I think it's, it's such a weird thing that we we just, we love the reality of things. You know, so often we'll put photos up on our, our Facebook page and we're always monitoring, you know, which one does better, which one does worse. And it's funny, like, you know, we'll take really nice photos on the SLR and put them up and people will like it. But you put like a photo up of a lamb just arriving on like an iPhone and it's all blurry and you can hardly see its face. And the reality of it is what captures people, what, you know, connects with people. And photos like that actually, do much better. So now at the moment we're like, maybe we should just throw out the SLR and just photograph everything on our iPhone because of the, the authenticity of it, you know, the authenticity so of it, it really is just so real. You always want to have a character, you know, in your video um, or story and very often you're going to have a hero and a villain and that's what makes great stories. You think about any of the stories that have, have done really well, there's always a hero and a villain. Um, and for us, it's very often Pam is the hero and the villain is, you know, very often where these animals have come from, the industries that have been created in farming these animals. And, you know, we have to think about our message. What are we trying to convey in these stories? Are we trying to create change within these people? Um, or are we just, you know, sharing a story? And we want to emotionally connect. I think that is one of the most important things. You know, we're just bombarded by videos and stories and things now with YouTube and Facebook and everything. You know, anyone can make a story and put it up, but you need people to connect to it for them to actually want to share it with their friends. Um, and there's a thing that actually we all want to be heroes, and it's not an egotistical thing. It's actually... A, a very driving force in us and you know we're all here because we want to be better people we want to be better advocates we want to 
you know, try and change the world. So we all want to be heroes. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, so use that. Use that as a driving force for us to actually move forward and, and be the hero in your own story. Because really, you know, you will be sharing your story. You know, that at the end of the day is what you're doing when you, you're going to be doing storytelling is sharing your story. So be the hero of your own story. Um, us, as I said before, you know, our, our mission is kindness, and it's a very general, broad theme, um, which is great for us because it encapsulates so many people, because so many people resonate with that general theme of being kind. Um, you know, but you're going to, you know, you need to decide when you're creating your story, what is your theme, what is your message that you want people to take out of the story? Why? Why we tell stories? We tell stories to inspire people to think differently about these farm animals. Very much what we do on the farm, welcoming people in for tours, is what we do in digital storytelling. Now, how we do it. So, um, you know, the, as I said before, like Esther's, Esther the Wonder Pig, just a remarkable thing of how one pig has just gone, you know, digitally around the world. Um, and that is the power, I think that is, you know, really the power of the internet and, and of our st digital storytelling. And, you know, it, it takes a long time to get there. I'm not saying that it's easy work the minute that you make a video, it's just going to go viral. You know, we have to put a lot of thought into it. We have to put a lot of effort in actually building up our brands so that people want to share our stories. But it is possible. And I think, you know, if we're going to be doing storytelling, we really need to think about any advocacy. We need to think about what is going to be the most effective way to reach as many people as possible. And in today's world, it is the use of digital mediums like the internet. So it's something that we have to have to take a, you know, get our heads around and actually use the best way that we can. Um, so viral versus effective. I'm sure you've all seen, you know, viral videos of little kids dancing around to rave music or things like that, which is all good, you know, they got millions of views for things like that. But is it going to change your life? You know, it's not. Um, so many of our, mess, our, our stories that we share, we, we have like a message in there. We have something that we want people to take home and think about. And, you know, a lot of the time, those aren't going to be the stories that go viral. People want to watch a 10-second clip of this little baby dancing around, not your 10-minute video of, of a, a rescue. But, you know, if you get it out to 100 people, that's a good start. You know, and you've, kept, you've, you've got this footage that you can use forever. Um, always looking back, like, my biggest regret is not recording, like, from the minute I started at the sanctuary, just start recording, like, you'll never know when you actually can use this footage, and, um, the, you know, one of the reasons that we actually make videos is, is by practice, you know, my, every time I make a video, it's practicing to get better and better and better, so that hopefully the next video does better than the first one, you know, as I said, it's not an easy thing, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, you want to try and create a video or a story that, is, that will go viral and that has a strong message to it that people will connect to and that people will change their behavior from. Um, and you want to create action. So, you know, you think about what change do you actually want people to do? What action do you want them to do? So there's many different things, you know, even just sharing your post. Um, so that more people can see it is a very powerful thing. 
you know, the wider we cast our net, the more people will be invited into seeing these stories about these animals. Um, obviously, one of the strongest and most powerful is for people to change their views, to change the way that they think about farm animals, and to change their actions, you know, to actually change their dietary habits, to actually reflect their change in views. Because so many of us say that we do love animals, but a lot of the actions that we do actually don't reflect that. And so, you know, people like that are, is, is perfect, your perfect audience, because they're already halfway there. They care about animals, they love animals. That's why I was saying pet expos are such a great way to actually get to people like that, because, you know, they already have animals in their lives. You're just increasing the range. Um, donate, you know, you can use your, your videos to donate. One thing I'll just say about that is that um, if you're making a video for donating, for, to encourage people don to donate, as opposed to, you know, to actually change their views, you need to have it specific for that. Something that we learned along the way is that you can't ask for both. You know, we, we want, like, a single action. This is what we want you to do at the end of the video. You don't, oh, you can do this or that or this or that. So now when we actually make fundraising videos, we make a fundraising video. And it's something that we only started this year, but it proved to be way more effective than just using a generic video with a please donate at the end. So, you know, be specific with the, the stories that you tell, you know, at the beginning. Figure out what you actually want from it and then create your video for that. So that was, that was something that was really interesting for us that we didn't think about along the way, but um, was, was way more effective when we actually did it, targeted at an action. Um, you know, you got, so you've got different mediums, and I would just say now that Facebook loves videos at the moment. You know, they go through their whole algorithm changes, which is very irritating, um, and change the way that they share your stories and how many people see your stories and things like that. But, you know, we're never going to stop using Facebook, so we just got to get on with it and use what's going at the moment. And at the moment, they're just loving photos. They will um, promote your... I mean, video, sorry. They will promote your video more than they will a, a photo. So if you've got the opportunity to do a story, you know do it as a video, do it as a photo also, and you can use it on your website and your blog and put it up as a second time on Facebook, but if you're gonna use it as a, a video, Facebook will promote it more. Um, you know, start a YouTube page, start a Vimeo page. All your different social medias are targeted for different things, um, and utilize it as many as you can as possible. It is really hard, it is very time consuming. Um, we know, you know, even just growing as a, as a team, it's still, we can't do every single social media um, platform that there is out there. So pick the ones that you do and do those ones well. So this is where I was going to speak about, you know, a bit about positive versus negative emotions and actually how our brain changes into being receptive to, to other ideas. And so if you just imagine you're walking down the road in Africa, because I'm from Africa, and a lion jumps out in front of you. You're gonna be so scared. Your fear is the emotion that's gonna take control of your body, and you're gonna run. You're gonna run as fast as you can away from that lion. You're not gonna think, oh, there's like something over there that maybe I could use. There's, you know, like a piece of meat that I could throw in front of the lion there. You're just incredibly focused on surviving and you will run and that is you know that is how we have been programmed i suppose for fight or flight and that is 
very ha often what happens with negative emotions. You know, something like fear, when it comes across us, we get very narrow-minded, we get very concentrated on survival. Now you think about a positive emotion, like we all watched the video in the beginning, everyone was laughing, everyone was smiling. Positivity opens up your mind. It actually opens you to be more receptive to change, more receptive to thinking about ideas. Um, and so use that, you know. I'm not saying only do positive videos. You know, a lot of the videos that we put up are sad, you know, and, and sadness is an incredibly powerful emotion. But positivity opens people's minds. And, you know, so really, really, you know, oh, it's on the other page. Really, really use that. You know, so much of, of what we do is psychology, yet I'm sure hardly any of us have studied psychology. There's an incredible book called Change of Heart by Nick Cooney. Has anyone read it? One or two. Everyone needs to read it. It is probably the most important book you can read after leaving here today. Please, please, please. Change of Heart. I've got it on the slide. Change of Heart by Nick Cooney. And it's all about, you know, the, the psychology of change. What drives us as people to change? Unless we understand that, we are not going to change the way people think about these animals. Um, so as much as, you know, we don't, maybe don't want to actually delve into the psychology of it, that is the reality of it. We need to really think about these things. Um, and they've done some studies on Facebook that have actually shown that, you know, positive posts get shared way more than negative posts. So the numbers vary on everything that you can look at, but it's all the same thing. You know, your positive posts are incrementally shared more than your negative posts. Um, and I'm sure if you think about that just naturally, you know, you get a nice story, you want to share that with your friends. Whereas, you know, negative things can be harder to see. And I'm not saying that they're not important, it's just this is what the studies show. Um, yeah, so, you know, things that you can do from here on out, you know, I think record, 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 like any opportunity you have to, you know, if you're in a group that's, that's doing rescues or um, anything, just start recording. You know, in digital format now, you can just keep so much data. That's not a problem anymore. But you'll rather have that now, you know, in 10 years' time that you've actually got to draw back on than think, oh, I wish I recorded those kinds of things. So, you know, um, we are, like, a lot of the time we think about that the work that we do, and it's, it's a documentary. You know, we are documenting the work at Edgar's Mission, the rescues that happen there. Um, and so to start documenting, as I said, you know, the storytelling, you will be telling your story. Start documenting your life. Start documenting the things around you, the groups that you're in. Um, you will never regret recording that information. Yes, read The Change of Heart. <laughs> and also um, Winning the Story Wars. It's a great book. It's all about, you know, stories and storytelling, the history of it, why we do it, myths and, and philosophies and how it's all come through storytelling and how that is what actually changes the world. Stories is what influences us to change. Um, so use these stories as best as we can. The more we learn about it, the better we'll be using these tools that we have. And watch. You know, look at different Facebook pages, see what videos go viral, why do they go viral. Um, you know, analyze it. What, was it a positive story? Was it a negative story? What emotions did it bring out in you? Um, would you share it? Did you share it? Why wouldn't you share it? You know, the more we can actually critically analyze things, the more we will learn from it. 
Um, and that's, some, that, that's the same as everything, you know, we've had a very successful crowdfunding campaigns and it was only after we got invited to speak at conferences where we actually looked back at these campaigns and analysed it and said, you know, why did it work? And we learned to understand it so much more because we went through all the steps that we went, we, we'd seen and why did this work here and this didn't work there. And so that is what we need to do with, with all of the content that we share, you know, was it a successful story? Did it get the message out that we want? What was our main message? Or did people just share it? And is that fine? Is it fine that people just shared it? Or is it important that you want people to change from watching your stories? So, you know, the more we can analyze our stories, the more we will learn from them. And that I was trying to write in a nicer way, but <laughs> a kind of future is possible. You know, I, I think, it's the only way that we will survive, and um, it's something, it's, it's the reality of it, you know, I think all the time, just watching these, these stories grow and think people are becoming more receptive to it and, and desiring it more, you know, that, that we can live in a kind of world, that, a world that will exist. Audrey, director of Found, the infamous festival of ultra power babes. On the 21st of November 2015, Found will showcase over 100 female artists, musicians and performers for a one-day live art experience. Pre-sale tickets on Eventbrite. For more information, visit www.foundinitiative.com. Found is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio 855am. That last song was Stockholm by Sydney band Set Sail. Earlier you heard Kyle of Edgar's Mission Farm Sanctuary talking about sanctuaries in animal advocacy and about digital storytelling. It was a talk he gave at the recent Animal Activist Forum in Melbourne. We'll be broadcasting more talks from that forum in coming weeks. Now next Saturday, October the 24th, the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses is holding its first demo for the 2015 Spring Racing Carnival. It's at Melbourne's Mooney Valley Racecourse where the Cox Plate is being run. It'd be great if you can help make it a really big show of opposition to the cruelty of horse racing by joining them on the day. Details are on the Facebook page, Cox Plate Demo. And in Redfern, Sydney, the annual Cruelty Free Festival is taking place next Sunday, October the 25th. It's set to be a fun-filled fusion of vegan food, fashion, entertainment, animal art, cruelty-free shopping, networking, talks and cooking demonstrations. It's a great way for people curious about veganism to try vegan food and explore the lifestyle. Its Facebook page is Cruelty Free Festival. That's it for another week. Feel free to get in touch with us by email, which is info at freedomofspecies.org and join us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you to Kyle from Edgar's Mission. And also thanks to Set Sail and to Bill Withers. Stay tuned for Encyclopedia coming up next. And I'm leaving you with a song by Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. It's called Circle. See you next week.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.